Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles and let's go to Psalm chapter number one this evening. Psalm chapter one. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Psalm chapter one. We have had a fantastic week at Kids Day Camp. And uh, thank you to all of those who prayed. And thank you to all of those who gave to make the week possible for us. And uh, that's where many of our workers are at right now. They are finishing up Kids Day Camp. One of the parents yesterday at the gate said, Pastor, what happened to your voice? I said, your children happened to my voice. They took it along with my soul and my happiness and my sleep. They just took it all. And uh, well, we've, had, we've had a great time. And thank you so much for entrusting your kids to us. Um, on on the, the summer, the Wednesdays for the end of the summer, so we'll close out August with a, a short study going through the book of Psalms. And we're calling it Summer Refresh. So we're going to take, starting today, we're going to walk all the way to the end of August. And each Wednesday, we'll have a very special snack at the end of the service. We have snow cones available for you tonight, all right? Snow cones are available tomorrow. Next week's like slushies. I forget what they all are. But there's a, there's a sheet on the Welcome Center. Pick it up. So we're foregoing a lot of our preliminary things on Wednesdays because I want to build in time for us to have fellowship on, on Wednesday nights, okay? So don't get your snow cone and run to the car. I'm watching you if you do that, all right? I want you to stay, enjoy the snow cone, get the blue all over your face, all over your teeth, okay? It'll be fine. And hang out, have fellowship, have fun. They're nice summer nights. And uh, we want to encourage you just to stay with us uh, for, for a little while. They told me that I, if we're going to do this, I have to be on a very short window. They said, Pastor, you cannot go past 7.45. I said, not a problem. Don't worry. I'll be done by 7.45 for sure. And they said, it will never happen. It'll never happen. I said, well, if it doesn't happen, it's because the Lord moved in the service. Okay. So you can always just default it that way. So without further ado, we're going to get right to it. Psalm chapter one tonight. It's great to see David and Rosa with us in the service. Glad that they're here. Psalm chapter one. He's coming back. He's going to move back to Long Beach. He told me that just a minute ago. No, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. Psalm chapter number one. All right. Start there. Psalm chapter number one. If you do a, a walkthrough in any bookstore, or if you do a, a Google search, if you listen to the radio, if you tune in on a podcast, if you watch a special on TV, all, all of these are, are teaching us or telling us a particular way in which we can be happy. And they're promising a, a wide range of things. If you do this, you'll be happy. If you have this diet, you'll be happy. If you marry this person, you'll be happy. If you drive this car, you'll be happy. If you live in this city, if you work this job, if you go to this college, if you make this money, you'll be happy. All you have to have are this one thing, and you'll know what true happiness is. In fact... You could rightly understand most of the world and even most of your life in this world as a pursuit of happiness. You, you do these things 
And if you do them in the right order, you do them in the right way, you do them at the right time, and you, you get all of these things that the world says you have to have, then along with the getting of those things, you'll get happy. And it'll be yours. And no one can ever take it from you. And how many of you learned this already? That's not true. You can get the nicest house. You can make the most money. You can drive the best car. And guess what happens to all of those things? Inflation happens to your money. Your car breaks down. Or you got to put gas in it. And your house, someone breaks in or the gutters fall off or the windows crack. There's always something else to be done. None of these can guarantee happiness. And happiness eludes most people in this world. They can't find it. Imagine if I told you I, can, I know the source of happiness. We found it. We have found the source of happiness, and if you will just listen for the next 30 minutes, it will be yours. Imagine your, your, your defense, your skeptic mechanism would go up. Okay, what's, what's the catch? What do I got to buy? What do I have to give, right? Well, Psalm chapter 1 is the source of happiness. Notice how the verse begins. Look at verse 1. Blessed is the man. So blessed in the Bible is more than happiness. You need to understand that. It's more than happiness, but it's not less than happiness. It, it's a, the, the word is rich in meaning and context. It doesn't just mean happy as in you are experiencing a moment of joy because of what is happening to you. It's not a cheap or a poor man's version of happiness. It's, it's much fuller than that. It's fulfilled. It's satisfied. Maybe a, a proper biblical understanding of it would be content, happy or blessed or content or satisfied is this man. Then he's going to give you this list of what it is that if you have, then you can know true blessedness or you can know True happiness. So let's look at them just quickly tonight. Look at verse 1. The blessed man knows what to reject. Write that down. The blessed man knows what to reject. Notice the verse. Blessed is the man that walketh, notice this phrase, not. So he begins the very first verse of the entire book of Psalms he begins in the negative. He begins by pointing out that there are some places, there are some people, there are some things that promise happiness, that promise contentment, promise fulfillment, but they cannot deliver. They cannot deliver it because it is not, it is not theirs to give. So blessed is the man, notice, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So it feels odd, right, that the book of Psalms would begin with a negative chapter and specifically a negative verse first, unless you stop and think about it. Because if you stop and think, okay, I want my life to be on the right path. I, I want my life to be on the blessed path. I want my life to be on the happy path. 
Well, then that begins by recognizing that there is a path that you cannot be on. That there is a way you cannot go. There are things you should not do. There are people you should not be around. So the, the key to getting on the right path is recognizing that there is, in fact, a wrong path, one of which we are all prone to wander down. The Bible is saying this over and over. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. So the Lord laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. The heart, it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know what all these verses are telling us? They're telling us that when we give into our own version of happiness, it will not deliver it. It cannot deliver it. And so the psalmist says, there's a place you shouldn't walk, there's a place you shouldn't stand, and there's a place you shouldn't, you shouldn't sit. Do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, do not stand in the way of sinners, and do not sit. You notice the progression? First, you're just passing by, then you're standing around for a little while, you're fellowshipping, and next... You're sitting. The, the image is this. You're passing by. You're standing. You're fellowshipping. That's what we're going to do with snow cones in a minute. We're going to stand in fellowship. And the goal is to get you to do what? To sit. Now it is, these are your people. This is your community. This is where you belong. That's the whole image. The walking, the standing, the sitting. It's all, it's painting an image for us. So notice, if we're going to be blessed, there is a rejection that we must make. A rejection of what? Notice, that man walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So it's a rejection of bad ideas. That's literally the word counsel. Who are the voices that speak into your life? Who, where do you get your ideas from? Where do you learn your philosophy? Who shapes your thinking? Who colors your worldview? Well, the psalmist says that there are those who want to counsel us they want to advise us. How many of you notice this? You've lived long enough to know this. Everyone has an opinion about what you should be doing. I mean, they're not going to do it necessarily, but they have an opinion about what you should be doing. Notice, counsel of the ungodly. Who do you allow to speak into your life? Who do you allow to speak into your life? Who do you allow to shape your thoughts? Who do you allow to direct the steps in which you are going? When you are looking for an answer, who do you turn to? Who do you turn to? Who is the expert? You know, for most people, you know the expert? The expert is Facebook. And Facebook is no expert at all, okay? Just, just let's be clear. It's Google. Whenever something goes wrong with, with me, one of my siblings, my grandkids, or I don't have grandkids, with me, one of my siblings, or one of my kids, my mom, okay, 
You know what she immediately does? She goes, oh, tell me what's wrong with Gabriel. I'll say, oh, Gabriel, you know, he has these feelings or he's acting this way or, you know, he feels like sick and he, and he has this broken arm or whatever. She'll go, okay, I'm going to look it up on WebMD. And she immediately just searches WebMD. Have you ever done a Google search on WebMD? How many have ever looked on WebMD? WebMD, if you're sick with anything, the worst case scenario of, like, you have the cough, let's say, you might die. So, man, so literally, my mom will search. She go, oh, you got to take him to the hospital right now because WebMD says he might die from it. I'm like, mom, it's a splinter. I don't think it's going to be immediate death. I'm pretty sure he's got some time before we get to the death part of that, right? Where do you go? Who do you look to when you are looking for counsel? This is what he's saying. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So, man, the, 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 the blessed or content or happy man, he knows what to reject. What are we rejecting? We are rejecting bad or worldly or fleshly or sinful ideas. It's not just that, but he also talks about your actions. Notice, nor standeth in the way of sinners. So, so the key word there is way. It's the action. It's the path. It's the step that he is actually taking. You've heard this before, but it's more than just a truism. Wrong thinking leads to wrong acting. Wrong thinking leads to wrong action. It's not just a truism. That is not just advice that parents give their children. It is, in fact, true. It's true according to the Bible. As a man thinketh in his heart, what does it say? So easy. Where did, where did, where did it originate? In the thinking. So you're rejecting bad ideas, you're rejecting bad actions. The voices that you listen to ultimately become the people that you follow. Rejecting bad ideas, rejecting bad actions. But look at this one. The blessed man, he knows what to reject. He rejects bad company. Notice this. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So it starts with your thinking. The next step is your wrong behavior or your wrong action. And it ultimately ends up with the wrong community. Who you listen to becomes who you follow. Who you follow becomes who you identify with. And who you identify with, well, that becomes who you are. That becomes who you are. So the blessed man knows what to reject, but that's not it. Look at verse 2. So there's a contrast. The verse 2 begins, but. So he's contrasting it. He's saying, here's what, the best, here's what the blessed man is rejecting. And he's saying, second, here is what the blessed man is delighting in. Here, here's what he's actually receiving. Here's the way he's actually going. But his delight, this blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, the Lord's law, doth he, this blessed man, meditate day and night. So notice, this blessed man is delighting in the law of the Lord. So when you hear the phrase, 
law of the Lord. What do you immediately think? You think command. You think compulsion. I have to do it. It's the law. I don't like to do it. I'm not freely choosing to do it. I am doing it because of threat of punishment. It's the law of the Lord. But notice this. This, this blessed man, he is not looking at it as compulsion. He isn't doing it because of drudgery. He isn't operating inside of the, the law of God, which simply is the word of God. He is not operating inside of the word of God, God as at, just with, with compulsion or drudgery. Instead, he's operating in the law of God with delight. It's delight. It's actually, it's actually enjoyable to be guided by God's word. To be led by God's word. To be obedient to God's word. It's like, uh, the easiest way I can illustrate this is, it, consider it like um, exercise. You know who hates to exercise? Someone who's unhealthy. They don't like exercise at all. They don't want to exercise. It's hard. It's tiring. There's a hundred other things I'd rather be doing than exercising. You know who enjoys exercising? The person who exercises. The person who's healthy, right? So if you're, if you're exercising and you're hitting the gym and you're running the treadmill or you're making the laps and you're watching what you're eating, when at first you're going, oh, I don't like this. I'm always so hungry and these donuts look so delicious and why do I have to get on the treadmill? Everybody else is inside. And after a while, something happens where what was once unenjoyable for you, you did not like it at all now becomes, man, what you find help, happy, delight. You find it to be very therapeutic and beneficial. You go, I got to go for a run. I got to hit the gym. I have to do, why? Because no, no longer is it compulsory. No, no longer is it drudgery. No longer do you feel like, oh, the weight of having to do this. No, no, no. Now you're saying, no, I enjoy doing it because I am recognizing the value, the benefit it is to my life. And there, are, there are many Christians who have not recognized the benefit, the value, the blessing that comes not from doing life our way, but from doing life his way. For them, it's still drudgery. It's still drudgery. Notice what the psalmist is saying, though. It's not, it's not just that it's to light. It's that he's actually consumed by God's word. Notice the phrase, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Day and night, night and day, day and night. He's consumed by it. It's, it's not just delight. It's not just enjoyable. It's actually his passion. It's all he can think on. It's all he can think about. Ask yourself, 
What do, you, what do you think about when you have nothing to think about? When you have some free time, where does your mind wander? Where does it go to? The Dodgers? The sports team? The job? Your bank account? Your car? Maybe your family? What do you think about when you have nothing to think about? You see, that is what is foremost. That is what is priority number one. For this man, he meditates, notice, in the law of the Lord, day and night. The, the blessed man delights. The blessed man rejects. Look at verse 3. The blessed man described. Look at how he's described. Verse 3. And he shall be, you should circle this word, like. This is what he's like. So the Bible is not saying he is a tree. The Bible is saying he is like a tree. So, he, so he's, he's giving us this image. He's painting this image. Of, this is what he's like. So now you have to put your imagination cap on for a second and imagine big tree. He's like a tree. What kind of tree? Well, a tree, it's not out in the desert that you can just easily kick over. No, not that kind of tree. No, no, he's like a tree which is planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season and his leaf also does not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So he is saying the lives of people who have learned to delight in the word of God the lives of people who are consumed, they meditate on the word of God. They take serious the words of God. The, light of, the life of these people is like a tree. What does a tree do in order to become a big and fruitful and flourishing tree? Does it do anything? He just drinks in the nutrients of the ground. That's all he does. And this is what the psalmist is saying. Man, how is it that I can find in my life contentment, happiness, joy, blessedness? How can I find that? Well, everybody else is saying, do this, do this, do this, do this. The scriptures are saying, no, no, no. The, 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 the secret to blessedness, happiness, joy, contentment, fulfillment, stability, the secret to that for you and for me, for all, for anyone that would believe, the secret is drink in the word of God. Drink it in. That's the comparison. Notice what this man is. Notice what this tree is, rather. He's planted by the rivers of water. So notice this, that word planted, he has stability. He has stability. He's not somebody who, like we're going to see in a second, who's up one day, down the other. He's doing this today. He's doing that tomorrow. He's chasing his tail. He's following the wind. In whatever way the wind blows is the way he seems to be bouncing. He has no idea what he wants. He has no idea what he's after. He has, is, most of the time, he has no idea where he even is. He's just bouncing, no stability. No, no, no. This man, this blessed man, he's a man who's planted 
He's got his feet under him. He knows who he is. He knows whose he is. He knows where he has been and he knows where he is headed. Does that, does that describe you? Does that, does that describe, let's say, the last year of your life? Will that describe the next year of your life? A man who is stable, a woman who is stable. She has stability. Planted. Not, not like what James says, blown about with every wind of doctrine. Every teacher who comes along the way offering something. Well, this one guy on Facebook said this one thing this one time, so I thought I'd try it. No stability. No stability. That's a sign. Someone who is unstable, who has no stability in their life. That's a sign of a person who is not rooted to something greater than themselves. That's the sign of a person who is chasing happiness by trying to find by trying to find it inside of their own feeling or inside of their own idea or according to a worldly or fleshly way. What's the word of God? The word of God is like what? A rock. The word of God liveth and abideth, what does he say? Forever. Not one jot, not one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You know what all of those word images are giving us? They're giving us, they're giving us the idea that the word of God, everything in your life may be shifting. Everything in our culture may be adjusting. Everything in our society may be topsy-turvy. Listen, everything in your family may be crazy, but the word of God is the same. It changes not. So if you're building your life on this, you know what you'll have? You'll have stability, security. He's not just planted. Notice, he's planted by the rivers of water. He bringeth forth fruit. So it isn't just that he has stability. It's also that he is fruitful. The word of God makes our lives fruitful. It's not just that he's fruitful. Notice, his leaf also shall not wither. He's fulfilled. Uh, a withered leaf on a tree is a sign that there is a disease or some malnutrition somewhere. The, the, that part of the tree, that root system is dead. There's no life coming to that part of the tree. Not this man. This man is stable. This man's fruitful. This man is fulfilled. Notice this. This man is effective. Notice, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. It's like this. That's a bold promise, isn't it? Now, prosperity is not getting everything you want. Can we, can we make sure we understand that? Well, what the, what the verse just said is if I just go to church, I'm going to get a Lexus. No, that's not what it said. No, but we'll find, we'll find ourselves effective in the world. Effective for the cause of Christ. 
effective in conversations we have. When we obey the word of God, we find our, when we learn the word of God and obey the word of God, we find that God's word tells us what is the best way to have conversations that are difficult. What's the best way to interact with someone who's angry towards you? What's the best way to handle your money? What's the best way to talk with your children? What's the best way to interact in your marriage? What are the be- what's the best attitude to use with your spouse? What's the best parenting method to use with your children? Did you know that the Bible is saying all of this? The Bible is saying all of this. And this is what Psalm 1 is saying. Psalm 1 is saying the person who is listening to the word of God is finding from the word of God all, listen to what the Apostle Peter said, all that is necessary, look, all that is necessary for life or godliness. It's found where? In the Bible. That is why the psalmist can say, effective. So whatsoever he doeth, it prospers. Because he's building his life in pursuit of God. And on the foundation of the word of God. So it's the blessed man he rejects, the blessed man he delights, the the blessed man as he is described. I got four minutes. I know some of you are looking at the clock. I see you. Here we go. The last one. The blessed man contrasted. The ungodly. They're not so. They're not like that. The ungodly person isn't stable. The ungodly person isn't fruitful. The ungodly person isn't fulfilled. The ungodly person isn't effective. The ungodly are not so. And he's going to describe them. Instead, this is what they're like. They're like chaff, which the wind driveth away. How many of you are aware of this? Man, the wind of our culture is blowing hard against us as the people of God. It's a strong wind in our face. It's a strong wind. And you know what it's done to many? It's revealed that what they were holding to was not this root system. It was the root system of convenience. It was the root system of personality. It was the root system of religion. It was the root system of morality. It was the root system of popular culture. It was a hard wind blowing in our face. And if you want to be able to withstand the wind, you better anchor yourself to something other than you. It better be stronger than someone else. It better be stronger than something else. We were driving back from the the park today with the kids. We drove by a church. You could see the steeple a ways in the distance. I won't name the church, but you could see the steeple just a ways in the distance, and all the kids were pointing at the steeple, talking about the church, just singing songs, and they're screaming, and they're jumping. No one was hanging out the windows. Don't worry, we were safe in that way. As we drive by the church, all 
aligned the whole entire drive of the church, almost completely around the church, were these flagpoles that were stationed, you know, welcome here, welcome here, these type, these type things. All the way around this church, gay pride flags completely surrounding the church with the banner, you know, similar to what we have out here, this banner sitting there, happy pride month, all are welcome. That is a church that has lost its way and it is no church at all. There are strong cultural winds and they are not just blowing against you. They are blowing against your family. They are blowing against your children. They are blowing against some of you, in, in, in some cases, against your grandchildren. What will you give them that will anchor them in any kind of a way? Money? They'll fight over your money when you're dead and gone. A family heirloom, they will sell it for a quarter at the yard sale. What will you give them that will offer to them any kind of real root system? Well, there's only one answer, and that is the word of God. The, the blessed man contrasted. He isn't rootless, he isn't defenseless, he isn't relationshipless, he isn't lifeless. Look at the phrase, look at all the phrases here. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. So when he's called to give an account of what he's done, no one is coming to his defense. That's what he's saying. You're going to answer for the judgment on your own. No one is coming to defend you. Nor sinners in the congregation of life. He has no relationship. He has no fellowship. He has no real meaning. He has no one journeying through life with him. It's absent that. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly, notice this, the way of the ungodly shall perish. Okay, here you go. How can we be this blessed man? Three simple ideas just to apply it. We explained it, now let's apply it. First, seek happiness by seeking God. Seek happiness by seeking God. That's what the psalmist is saying. Seek happiness by seeking God. Second, Seek God by studying his word. Seek God by studying his word. Have you learned this already? The Bible is a book that you have to work at studying. You know, some people, they're like, I tried the Bible stuff. I don't understand it. Like they expected the Bible to be open up and Jack ran down the hill. Jill went up the hill with a pail. <laughs> it's, like, it's not an easy book. It's an ancient book from God. It's complicated in a lot of ways. But the simple things are the simplest things to understand. You can understand this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
That's not a hard truth to get your mind around. Start there. Start with the simple, plain things, and then you work to study, and you work to learn, and as you work to study, and as you work to learn, and as you commit yourself to the book, guess what happens? It becomes easier and easier and easier over time to understand it, because you get the context. You understand direction. You know the author. You know what he's talking about in particular areas. This doesn't happen. Snip, snap. It takes work. Seek happiness by seeking God. Seek God by studying his word. Last one. Study the word of God by obeying it. Study the word of God by obeying it. Friend, do not be a hearer only. I went to church. I heard a sermon. Check. No, no, no. Be careful that you aren't a hero only deceiving yourself. Thinking that, that's what James is saying, thinking that because you heard the word, now it's in you. No, 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 no. Be not a hero only. Be a doer of the word also. What's, what's the evidence that you actually received what you heard? I tell my kids, hey, your mom said, do the dishes. Yes, sir. And then they run right outside to the garage and they start playing Fortnite, right? Whoa, 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 hey, did you hear what I said? Your mom said, do the dishes. Yeah, we heard you. Uh, you heard my words. <laughs> but you didn't do what I asked. There's a lot of Christians running around. They, they hear it, but they aren't. Listening. You ever, you ever wonder why the, the authors of the Bible are always saying things like, if you have ears to hear? What's that mean? It means it's quite possible for you to be like my children. Hey, your mom said do the dishes, and you run right out to the Xbox. You heard it but you must be obedient to it. So how do we study the Bible? We study the Bible by when God shows us something, we do it. We do it. We do it. We put it into practice.